Peace, peace, peace. You are now tuned into episode 19 of No Booking Info. I am your host with the most. I never eat pot roast, but I do like butter on my toast. You know, that's bread. Not talking about money. Never. I, I can't. Think. I'm not a rapper, clearly. Um, it's your boy, Tree, a.k.a. Phil, a.k.a. Phil underscore Q-U-A-D-E-F-Y, quadified on Instagram. And, and so we're at episode 19. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to continue to bring quality, health and wellness and, and some entertainment content to you guys every week. And so this week is no different. So we're just going to get right into the episode. I've entitled it the, the Joe Mixon episode. And some of you may be like, well, who is Joe Mixon? Definitely feel free to Google it and Google who he is uh, and then why he's. He's such a controversial figure currently. So just a little background. So so Joe Mixon, he's approximately at this point, he's about 20, 21 years of age. He's an outstanding running back who played for the Oklahoma Sooners from from about 2014 to, to recent. He did have a suspended year, but you'll understand why once I once I get further into details. So Joe Mixon, he's a highly listen, he's. If if he didn't have controversy, he would undoubtedly be, you know, a first round pick in the NFL draft. However, due to what I'm going to talk about and what this episode is about, if there's a, there's some who think he could still get drafted a little later. Then there's some who, who won't touch him with a 10 foot pole. And that's all because of an encounter that he had with a another Oklahoma um, University student, Amelia Molitor, back in 2014. And so what happened was, and again, you can check the, the no booking info Instagram page as no underscore inf, booking underscore info, and you can see the video. So there was an assault that took place in a restaurant, at which point caused Joe Mixon to, to get arrested. He was charged uh, with a crime and he's forever, his, his, his record is forever tarnished. He's forever tarnished as being the person who, who physically assaulted a female, a female student. And so what the video shows is the video shows the, the young lady, Amelia, they show her being the aggressor. And so she she pushes him. And so he he lunges at it like, you know, I, I don't know what you know, the purpose of the lunge was he says it was to scare away, stop hitting him. And she punches him in the face. And so at that point he reacted and he punched her in the face. And subsequently she incurred a, a broken jaw. And so just a, a little, you know, to show the difference between the two. So, so Joe Mixon is six foot, 220 pounds and Amelia is approximately 130 pounds. So the force that came from him and clearly him being a, a, a you know, a big individual, you know, it, it caused damage. It caused damage. It caused her to incur a broken jaw. Um, also, I don't want to neglect, neglect the fact that a friend of hers, uh, who was also present at the time, he he also he wasn't assaulted, but he started a little bit of the controversy, even though it occurred outside. But he started it in the restaurant by calling calling Joe a derogatory name. And it's believed to be that he called him the N-word. And so that started a lot of the conflict that took place. So 
again, subsequently, uh, he was arrested. He was charged. He he pled to a misdemeanor. And so what that consisted of, he had to go through a, like a diversion program and he had to do some community service. But as a, as a consequence, he was kicked off the Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Sooner football team. And so the video wasn't released until 2016. So late last year. So this is two years after the incident that that the video came out and the video came out because Joe Mixon's attorney wanted you know the, the world to see what took place and so especially with the with the civil suit occurring which at this point the civil suit uh two out of the three uh civil suit charges that were filed against Joe Mixon by the accuser have been dismissed and there's a belief that the third will be dismissed as well and so this is significant. This is this is definitely significant because here we have a young a young man. Now, first, I want to preface this by saying I'm nonviolent. I'm from the Martin Luther King School of nonviolent, nonviolent. I've never been in a fight in my life. I've, I've never hit a woman. I have no desire to hit a woman. Um, I, I, I don't want to say I've never hit a person, but um, you know, it's it was self defense, and I still don't consider that a fight. But, you know, I'm again, I'm anti I'm anti violence. I feel that anything can be talked out. It might not be able to be talked out in the in the in the heat of the moment, which a lot of time the anger and the aggression, we we lose control. But again, I'm not, I'm not a fan of any type of violence at, at any point. And so I, I say that to say that. My concern, and, and it's not a popular opinion, clearly, because in, in today's society, any type of violence against women is completely wrong. It doesn't matter what the precipitating factors were. It doesn't matter who the aggressor was. It's the idea since the beginning of time that men do not hit women. And that's something that's, you know, that just how, how we're nurtured, how we're nurtured as a society. And I don't, I don't want to say all societies. But I know here in, in Western civilization, here in America, we do not, you're shunned and you're, it's frowned upon to, to hit a woman. And again, I agree with that. I'm, I'm anti-violence, so I don't believe in anybody should be getting hit. But it's, it's, it's critical in this case because at this point, she was the aggressor. She was the aggressor. And technically, if, if we want to go the legal route, he was within his right to to hit her back. So according to, to Oklahoma law, if the it's it's pretty much self-defense. If the aggressor um assaults you, you're well within your right to to hit them back. It doesn't specify gender, it doesn't you know specify age. It just specifies listen and you won't be penalized. And I think that's key, that if you're assaulted, then you won't be penalized if you respond. And so it makes me look at this situation, and I question, why wasn't, why wasn't Amelia arrested? Why wasn't she charged with assault and battery? 
Now let's look at the situation. It granted with this law being on the books. Why is this video just now coming out after two years? Which does I don't I don't understand the, the logic behind it because this does Joe Mixon a, a disservice by releasing this because he it, it, it keeps this in the limelight, especially at the time where, where he's trying to get drafted. So it's definitely problematic. So I so I sat there, you know, looking and I'm like, well, why why was he arrested and why wasn't she arrested? And so first again, we look at the dynamics. We have a man and a woman. So in, in today's society, anytime a there's an altercation, a physical altercation, the high is a high probability that the man is going to be looked at as being guilty from the jump. Until he had offers some type of compelling evidence that the woman is the aggressor because look if we look at domestic violence stats one in four women are abused compared to one in 14 men that are impacted now we know the the number of men impacted is probably higher it's probably higher because in today's society especially we again it goes back to that manhood thing you're looked at as being weak if you report that you've been physically assaulted. So I definitely think the, the, the prevalence is much higher. You know, but again, one in four women, you know, that's high. That's definitely high. And I'm sure it's, it's higher. The prevalence is higher because here we have, we know that women uh, don't report a lot of the abuse that takes place. So I think both numbers are higher. So when we look at this situation, again, Historically, we're going to see the man, he's typically going to be arrested and he's going to have to prove his innocence, despite the video existing showing that he was not the aggressor. Now, she might have got the worst of the situation, but again, she was the aggressor twice assaulting him. And so now we look at what other factors take place. Okay, listen, we're talking about Oklahoma. We're talking about a red state. We're talking about a, a, a state where, you know, a lot of conservative principles still exist. Where, you know, any type of interracial interaction is is frowned upon and it's going to be the minority who's who's looked at as being the aggressor, no matter the situation. And so, yes, I think that race played a part. Race played a part. Here we have this young black man and we have this this young white woman. And, and with that dynamic, again, he's automatically going to be assumed as being guilty. And so I think that plays itself out with his, his decision to take the plea. Now, anybody that knows me knows that I'm open about about me having an arrest record at one point in, in my life. And it was along the same lines. Now, I went to school, and it's you know when I tell the story, the Jew story. So ultimately, I didn't I didn't cope well with being told something, uh, told that I was stealing when in, in reality I was not. Um, I was just tasting the juice to see if it was watered down after I had purchased the cup. But you know, subsequently, I didn't handle that situation in in the best manner. I didn't cope. I didn't use my coping skills to deal with my anger, frustration, my embarrassment that was taking place and subsequently I was arrested and, and charged with, with, you know, several charges. 
And ultimately, I took the plea deal because here I am in Bloomsburg, at Bloomsburg University in a, a predominantly white town. And I knew if I first I shouldn't have been uh, arrested for that, you know, despite the you know disorderly conduct, as they wanted to call it. But again, here we have a young black man who, you know, who appears to be an aggressive and, and the aggressor. And as a result, it's it, we are, you know, charged with crimes at a, at a higher rate in situations where now luckily he was able to get into a diversion program. But it makes you think, you know, me personally, hold on. Well, I was not offered that because, again, here I am in this town and it's there's not really a concern of theirs as to what's happening. Again, how it's about perception and how I was perceived. And I knew if I attempted to take these charges that stemmed from a cup of juice to a, a jury or to a judge, listen, I'm not going to get a jury of my peers. Not when the average age of the people that live in a town uh, being in their, their 50s and 60s. That wasn't going to happen. So I had to look out for self and I, I, I couldn't take that chance. And I had to take the plea deal. And so Joe Mixon, I'm sure that factored in. Listen, you are in Oklahoma. You are a young black male. You allegedly assaulted a white woman. This isn't going to go well. I hate to go back to, to Emmett Till. I hate to go back to Emmett Till. But listen, this is, these are the same type of things that he encountered. When he was he was falsely accused, which we now know because the the woman who accused him of of making a pass at her, she admitted that he did not, which is just so it, it's it's still it's, it's astonishing. But thankfully, his life wasn't wasn't in vain. The loss of his life wasn't in vain because we've continued to progress as a community afterwards. But listen, it's, it's no different. It's a lynching. And I believed in his case, I believe in my case, that a lot of the logic was, listen, it's going to be a modern day lynching. You're guilty. Despite having this evidence where you weren't the aggressor. And so he subsequently had to, had to make that choice. And again, I think he made the right choice. I think he made the right choice. And so that that goes into the the social aspect of it. You know, socially, here we are, and then we're talking about 2014 when this is occurring, that that a, a young black man who again the law says one thing, but what's practiced is something that's completely different. And it, it it's troubling. It continues to be troubling. Again, this isn't to make an excuse for his behavior. Listen, if ideally, I'm sure, listen, I'm, I'm sure college setting that, you know, alcohol was involved, which exacerbates any type of situation that usually can be, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it changes, it influences how we react. We're not reacting with the sober mind, thinking about the consequences related. I'm sure if he was sober, if he had to do it again, he would have said he would have just took it. And that's the thing. Like a lot of times in society, you know, as a, as a black man, we have to take things. We have to accept it. 
when I watch the video, I look at the comfort, the level of comfort that she had when she pushed him. The level of comfort that her friend had by calling him the N-word. There wasn't any hesitation. She pushed him. He lunged. He could have he hit her then. And then she punched him in the face. So listen, here we are. We're talking about somebody who, listen, that was a natural instinct of hers. And so it has me to believe that this isn't the first time that this has happened. This isn't the first time that she's gotten drunk where she's hit somebody. She's punched somebody. But here we have it. A lot of times in society, men in general, and we're not talking about race or ethnicity. Men, we, we have to take certain things because we're stronger. But at what point does it become an issue of, listen, nobody should be touching anybody. So I look at the penalties, the, these penalties that, that take place because of domestic violence, they're, they're stiffer when it's considered domestic violence. But it's usually from one party to another. And that party is usually, I don't want to say usually, well, what's reported is the male to the female. I look at the NFL, which we're talking about, where Joe Mixon will be, you know, if everything goes his way, he'll be participating in. We look at the domestic violence uh, penalties that they have. We see what happened with Ray Rice. And how he was effectively blackballed for that incident. And now, yeah, it's a double standard. It's a double standard that it not only exists in the NFL, but exists in society. Not only with the woman hitting the man. And the penalties not being as stiff. But we're talking about men hitting other men. We're talking about women hitting every hitting other women. And so violence should be looked at and should be frowned upon. And not just intimate partner violence, where it's on one side we have. You know, we have again, we have the victim and we have the, the alleged perpetrator. It shouldn't be just that. And the penalty shouldn't be stiffer because of that. Any assaultive behavior is a problem. And consequences should be the same. If another man punches another man and breaks his jaw, according to the NFL, listen, you should you should receive the same the same ban. Now, I don't have the, the what it is now for the NFL and what they're doing. Again, Ray Rice was effectively, you know, his career was effectively ended as a result of it. But again, no type of abuse should be taken. There shouldn't be a hierarchy of abuse. There shouldn't be a hierarchy of abuse. And so we look at the consequences Again, she she attempted to sue him and her lawsuits were pretty much, I guess, the law took the law with regards to her being the assaultive party. It's like it got thrown out because she was the in, in essence, they were saying, listen, you were the one who started this. So it's acknowledging that she was the aggressor that this and that's why it's 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 um, it's sad, but it's comical because here we have the, you know, the the criminal aspect. In the criminal aspect, they say he's wrong, right? 
where his life will be, you know, undoubtedly affected forever, even though he'll make a, a substantial living, but he'll always be associated with that. And for her, she's in essence looked at the, as a, the criminal, as liable, liable rather. And the civil suit, hence the reason why her her lawsuits were dismissed, because they're saying, listen, you know you were wrong. How dare you come here and try to sue him when you were in the wrong? So somehow, I, even though I know one is the preponderance of evidence and, and, and one is the burden of proof doesn't have to be that high. But that's not even saying that. That's saying that here in one aspect, the criminal aspect where you could do time in jail. We're going to give it to the man, to the black man. And, but no, we really know with the civil aspect, we're not going to give you any money when you should have truly been charged with the criminal criminal crime, a criminal offense. And so that's problematic to me. Now, what should happen with with Joe Mixon? That was a lot of questions. Should he play in the NFL? I say, listen, at first, it's a private league. It's it's a, it's a private league with private owners. They can make whatever choice that they want to that they want to make. But let's be clear, do they really care about about this? No. They don't really care about it. Because any type of publicity is always is positive, even if it's negative. So even with Michael Vick, when they when the Eagles took my Philadelphia Eagles, fly Eagles fly, when they took a chance on Michael Vick, the protesters came out. But what does that do? That brings out the media. That brings out the the, the lay person, the common person to come out. And so it's putting up the spotlight on the NFL. Ooh, they they was loving it. They was loving it. Same thing with Ray Rice. They're in the media. You're on every channel. You know, let's be clear. Ray Rice was out of pocket. He was out of pocket with, with what happened. Does it happen in relationships? Yes, it does. Again, as I gave you the statistics, one in four women are abused in intimate, by intimate partner violence. One in 14 men. Black women are 35% more likely than white women to be abused with intimate partner violence. And also astonishing that I that I didn't know that women with disabilities are 40% more likely to be victims of intimate partner violence as compared to, to those who are able-bodied. So clearly we have a problem. We have a problem in society. We have a problem. We have an epidemic. We have an issue with coping. But back to to whether he should play in the NFL. Listen, my thing is, if somebody drafts him, sure. Why not? Because ultimately, listen, we we get so we learn about people's backgrounds and we try to make these judgments. I don't I don't know this. I don't know this guy. Could I judge him off his off his actions? Yeah, if I wanted to. But at the end of the day, if he could play football, if he could be one of the greatest running backs of all time, would I want him on my team? Yes. Even after this, what uh, after the, the situation? And if he's not any good, would I want him on my team? Yeah, I want him on my team, just based off what they say he could be. As a social worker, we believe in change. We believe that people have the ability to change. Now, time will tell if that's right. I don't look at this as a, as a second chance. 
I look at it. Listen, he'll get the opportunity. And if his talent show it, then he'll stick around. He'll get a big payday. Some people are going to forget. Some people won't forget. The same thing with Michael Vick. You know, you had your, your, your dog lovers. No, no, don't let him back in. Like, listen, if he still has the talent, let him in. It's difficult for a black man in society, though. You, again, you have to be you have to be amazing at your craft a lot of times to get a second chance. And we know some of our brothers who come out of, out of the penitentiary, they don't they don't get that second opportunity. They're scarred for life and, and they're labeled for life. Hence the, the, the recidivism that occurs where they're back to offending. Because, again, and this is a completely different, maybe I'll do this at a, at a later date, you know, the, the prison industrial complex isn't meant to rehabilitate. When Michael Vick came out, that wasn't because he did time in jail. No, that's because he, he, he I mean, again, it could, it could have, I'm not going to say it's not because he did time in jail, you know, because time in jail can change somebody. But then again, it can't. For some people, it doesn't change them. So it took something, it took something in him to say, you know what, listen, I'm not going to go back to this. I'm going to change this behavior. And so he should be lauded for that. He should be lauded for that. And so the same thing with Joe Mixon. Listen, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Listen, we don't know. Is the likelihood that he'll reoffend? We don't know. We don't know Joe Mixon. I don't know Joe Mixon's background. I don't know, you know, what the again, we understand what the precipitating factors was. Listen, he was verbally abused and he was physically assaulted. And so at this day, in this day and age, listen, I don't know too many people who are going to, to take that abuse, especially when we're raising our kids to say, if they hit you, hit them back. And so when we raise our kids to 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 do that, as they get older, they still have that same mindset. And again, we're talking about coping skills. So should he should he get an opportunity? In my eyes, yes. Is he going to be judged fairly or unfairly? Yes, he will. Are there going to be people who will never forgive him? Yes, there will be. But he'll have to get out on the field to show and prove. He'll have to show and prove. Don't give me, you know, again, the, the NFL, they'll have him working and, you know, doing domestic violence things within local communities, which is cool if his heart is in it. Like Mike Vick, when he was working with the dogs, you know, and the ASPCA and, and all those things, I, I believe his heart was in it because he, he still continues to do it to this day. But again, it, it's, it's just unfortunate at, you know, at 20 years old, granted, the situation was heinous. It was unfortunate. Tupac once said, he said, you know, at 30 years, you know, the time to rebel in society is when you're a teenager, when you're young. Because at the age of 30, that's when they take the soul out of a black man. But I also think he needed to add Listen, if, if you've been arrested, if convicted of a crime or pled guilty to a crime, no matter the age, they're going to take the soul out of you. Because you're forever, you're forever labeled. 
And so it's already difficult to try to, to get yourself on, on stable ground and to be equal to your peers just based off the race and ethnicity. But now we have, we have something else on top of it. And so it's, it's my hope that he perseveres, that he that Joe Mixon is resilient. And for this young lady, I listen, I wish her the best. You know, I hope because not only did, did he and he was also ordered to, to go through counseling. To go to cognitive counseling. So I, I if, if cognitive counseling is what I think it is, which is, you know, again, mental health counseling, if they want to focus on cognitive behavioral therapy, where they're trying to change the behavior, then hopefully that works that works for him. I think you need therapy after that situation regardless. And it, it didn't have to be mandatory. But he has some things that he needs to work through. Because that's traumatic for him. And again, for her, it's traumatic as well. I hope she got counseling. You know, I hope she got therapy. I hope she followed, uh, you know, followed up with treatment after that situation, because that can be a that that's listen, that's difficult. That's a difficult situation. I think anybody that's involved in any type of violent crime or any type of violence, whether intimate partner or not, should follow up with therapy. Find out what you could do to not have yourself in that predicament again. And so I, I think my lasting thoughts is as I as I end this episode, and it's, yeah, it's a relatively short episode because I just wanted to touch on this Joe Mixon, uh, this Joe Mixon topic, because, you know, I've been hearing it recently, especially with the draft again, with the draft coming up next month. I think my final thoughts are. We as a society, first, we need to we need to reevaluate the violence and how violent we are as a country, as a society. We're extremely violent, whether it's television, whether it's movies, whether it's music. We grow in our, we're, we're growing and learning from a, a, a violent perspective and that's completely unhealthy. And so we're making it okay for our first response to be whether it's verbal aggressiveness, verbal assaultive behavior, or physically assaultive behavior. They're the norm. That's the norm. That's how we're, we're taught to deal and to cope with what's happening. Now, if, again, I was taught if somebody hit you, that you hit them back. I just never had a desire to hit anybody, to hit anybody back. That just wasn't who I was. But imagine if we said, listen, instead of hitting somebody back, why not try to have a conversation and understand? Instead of hitting somebody, instead of hitting somebody, why not try to talk the issue out, even at a young age? Again, this comes from how we're nurtured. And we need to learn coping coping skills, especially as we get to these, you know, in our teenage years, our late teenage years and, you know, our, our 20s. And listen, there's a lot of adults over 20, over 30, over 40 who still have that mindset of violent responses 
and it's completely unhealthy. And so with that, I, I definitely recommend we try to learn some some strategies, some coping strategies that aren't aggressive. And so that could be, again, controlled breathing. I'm a huge fan of that. And it's simple. We're talking about uh, five deep breaths, exhaling in order to calm yourself. We're talking about progressive muscle relaxation. We're squeezing our hands. We're squeezing our arms. We're squeezing our neck, our face our stomach, our legs, our whole body. We're making them tense intentionally for a five second count. And then we're releasing. And that helps release the stress that's in the body. We're talking about guided imagery. When we're upset, listen, let's think about that happy place. Let's close our eyes and think about the beach or thinking about being with our friends, or think about a place where we're happy, we're content, so we can try and release that anger. We're talking about going to talk, going to therapy, engaging, if it needs to be cognitive behavioral therapy to try to change the, the, the thoughts and feelings that influence our behavior, then let's do that. Or we could just be talking about talk therapy and, and the trauma that we may have experienced throughout our life that made us violent. It's important that we address who we are as individuals, especially if you have issues with anger. It's critical. Your life, and in this case, your livelihood could depend on it. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of No Booking Info. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, Phil, P-H-I-L underscore Quadify, Q-U-A-D-E-F-Y. Or on Instagram as well, No Booking Info, N-O underscore Booking underscore Info. Thanks for listening. Peace.